0: Many years ago, during a difficult period in my life, I found myself in rural Arkansas at Christmas. The little town where I was staying had a Christian church, a Church of Christ, and a Catholic church. But I was longing for my particular brand of liturgical comfort. So I drove 30 minutes to a bigger town with an an Episcopal church. I found a pew near the back, and my eyes filled with tears as soon as the choir started down the aisle singing, O Come All you Faithful. Like I said, it had been a tough year, and I was eagerly awaiting the coming of Christ, the inbreaking of something new, of God coming into God's messy creation to love us, and to live with us, even, sometimes, in our less than lovable state. I don't remember much of the service, other than feeling wrapped in the embrace of the music and the liturgy and the unconditional love of God. When the service ended, we all streamed out into the cold winter night, unusually cold, as Christmas that year saw a rare Arkansas snow flurry. Not only was it cold, it was dark. Once I got out of town and back into the farmland, it was very, very dark. I'd driven the road a few times before, but always during the day. Overly confident in my ability to navigate, I pressed on in the dark, lost in my thoughts. After a while, it occurred to me that I'd been driving for some time and I really had no idea where to turn. I was on the right road, but it was completely dark. And with no other traffic on the road at 1 a.m. and no way to see the regular landmarks, I wasn't sure if I'd passed my destination or if it was still ahead. After about five minutes of pondering how much further I had to go before I should retrace my steps, I saw a star in the distance. The tallest structure for miles around, the grain dryer, had been decorated with a star for Christmas. That light, which commemorated the coming of Christ into the world, alerted me to my location and led me all the way home. It was almost as if I were in a Hallmark movie. Today I want to focus on the light that guides us. Unlike a feel-good holiday film, the inbreaking of God into God's creation is not simply a warm and fuzzy story with a happy ending. The miracle and mystery of the Incarnation is much, much more than a tidy, carefully scripted movie. John's opening lines are well-known to anyone who has spent time in a church. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life that was the light of all people. The the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. John paints a very pretty picture, one that evokes the creation of the world, of newness, and life, and light. On the first Sunday after Christmas, just five weeks into the liturgical year, and two days before the beginning of the new calendar year, we are prone to contemplate beginnings. The excitement of the arrival of a baby, the anticipation we've all known in one form or another these past few weeks. Over thousands of years, we have taken a cue from John and tidied up the Incarnation, become more comfortable with metaphor to explain the Divine Presence in our midst, rather than the all too gritty realities of our embodied existence. John nearly skims right past it. The Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The lead is buried under glory and grace and truth. And who can blame him? Isn't it nicer to dwell on glory than on the realities of flesh? Flesh is fragile. Flesh requires maintenance, consistent sustenance, and it's often smelly and dirty, if not washed regularly. We who are not God, we fleshly creatures, we feel pain and suffering and loss, as well as joy and love and passion. And yet God took that risk to take on flesh. Not only the risk of any embodiment, but the risk of specific embodiment in the form of a child of poor migrants looking for a place to call home. The risk of specific embodiment that allowed him to be executed as a prisoner of the state. God is so passionate about being in relationship with God's creation. God came and got right in the middle of all our messiness and vulnerability. Last weekend, I had the great privilege of participating in the Blue Christmas service with Deacon Beth. For those of you who are not familiar, many churches offer a Blue Christmas service for folks who aren't feeling particularly celebratory during the holidays because of a loss or a sad event in their lives. The Blue Christmas Service is one of my favorites all year because it is a reminder of the importance of the Incarnation. God was not satisfied to remain separate from us. God became flesh to be with us in all our troubles and triumphs. I am aware of how many of us have faced loss recently the pain of separation from a loved one. Many do not feel the newness and light and life highlighted by the opening lines of John's Gospel this morning. So the light that I want to draw attention to is not the light of new life in the infant Jesus we're celebrating now, but the light of the entire incarnation Jesus' whole embodied life, his childhood and young adulthood, his ministry, death and resurrection. Jesus understands our suffering because he suffered too. Jesus understands the joy of our love and the pain of our loss because he experienced those messy, complicated, traumatic realities too. The light of Christ is meaningful because God left the comfort and separation of complete transcendence to blur the boundaries between God and the rest of us. The light of Christ is meaningful because God understands how you're feeling this morning. Tired or energetic, sad or hopeful, overwhelmed or eagerly anticipating what comes next. God is with us in all of it. And that, my friends, is the good news of the season. May the light of Christ be with you, no matter what darkness you face.